Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Selling smoothies is what I do, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. He's a small business owner, too, so he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Bet the Edge. We appreciate everyone watching live or listening on the NBC Sports YouTube channel or their audio podcast version. It is week 14 of College Football Conference Championships. We got five games to break down. We'll also talk about yes-no markets for who's going to make the college football playoff. And as always, Thursday Night Football, Seahawks at Cowboys. Rumors, Geno Smith looking a little better this week in practice. Oh. Uh, so we'll talk about this, but uh, – it's the well capper. It's V money, and uh, Thanksgiving is now over. Hopefully, you had a profitable Thanksgiving, Drew. Also, you ha- hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving with uh, your family or friends. How was it? It was incredible. We went over to Catalina, spent the uh, spent the long weekend uh, looking at the ocean, uh, spotting whales and dolphins. Did a little bit of free diving. Found an abalone. Ooh. It was uh, just a tremendous time. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's been a little bit of a, a tough uh, getting back into the swing of things at work this week, <laughs> if we're being honest. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was a, it was overall it was a, a fun weekend. And, uh, you know, NFL betting could have gone better. Lions definitely torched some money for me. I mean, uh, but, uh, yeah, I got a bunch back, though, so I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel that, too. Yeah, first bet went wrong for me. Second, last, next two went right. And uh, we've had a pretty decent weekend since then. But I'm glad to hear it. Free diving sounds very exciting. Something that uh, someone like me would be petrified to do because, uh, yeah, once you get past, you know, when you're in the ocean, Drew, I'm like, I'm, I'm the swimmies guy. I'm like, yo, put me in something safe here because uh, I'm too scared. Uh, but my Thanksgiving went pretty well as well. Spent it with family for the first time in three years uh, since I've moved back. So uh, lots of laughs, lots of fun. Then I went to cool. Michigan, Ohio State uh, and sat in a press box. So. Awesome. Uh, everything lived up to expectations. We're going to talk more about Michigan, more about talk more about that market, and a hot take who should be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, Ooh. Drew, because uh, my opinion has changed since the Michigan-Ohio State game. Hint, hint. Let's start Pac-12 championship, baby. This is mm. the game we've all been waiting for, <laughs> the game we've all been talking about. Oregon's laying nine and a half. So the okay. books are like, yeah, they've been clearly the better team, Drew. What you think? Yep. Yeah, well, sharp shops out to 10, uh, and this is tough to square <laughs> because last time <laughs> these two teams played, Washington clearly won. Uh, I had varying thoughts in the aftermath of that game because I bet Oregon, and I was like, I felt like I got jobbed. I was like, ah, yeah, well, lucky luck box, Washington, blah, blah, blah. 
Well, kind of revisiting it now with a little bit of distance and a little bit less um, kind of uh, sting from the loss. Uh, that was a good, clean win by Washington. Uh, and if you were trying to square how is the market all the way here after that closed Washington minus three at home? Well, yes, there's tremendous home field advantage for Washington. There's a tremendous home field advantage in college football in uh, in conference. Um, and this is neutral. Uh, but since that game, it has been two teams that have trended in different directions in terms of just uh, overall quality of performance. The Ducks yeah. have looked like the second best, maybe the best team in college football since that point um overperforming uh, both offense and defense week in week out um taking on some tough tough challengers and dispatching them like the beavers in corvallis etc uh or that was i guess the beavers was uh was in austin but um or eugene excuse me but uh the uh um, the overall kind of uh, trending in the right direction for a team at the end of the season getting hot is kind of carrying them to this rating. And, you know, Washington, I don't really want to, again, take anything away from them. Um, you know, that's a, it's a very good football team. They're undefeated. It's extremely hard to go undefeated. The Pac-12 yeah. was good this year. Um, yeah. And I think they, they lucked out a couple of games they were, that were coin flips they won. Um, but this is still a Washington team that I think uh, is being a little bit slept on in this spot. Now, Oregon probably wins, but this seems like a close game. And I think the recent, you know, kind of people souring on Washington because they're not covering spreads, but they are still getting the job done is obscuring the fact that they do match up fairly well with this Oregon team. Uh, the Washington defense has been a little bit more suspect of late, in my opinion, than the offense. Um, but that said, uh, you know, this should be a really, really fun contest. 66 is our you know, 66 and a half is our current total um, that, you know, that looks like a, maybe a hair high. Uh, I could see that coming down to 64 by the time we get to game time. Um, you know, this is uh, going to be played at Allegiant, uh, which is obviously a very fast field out in the desert. Um, but the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the Ducks defense is good. The Huskies defense is fine. Uh, and I could see this being a little bit tight. Um, you have a, a way to, a way into this one, and I guess even more importantly for you specifically, Bonix wins this game. He wins the Heisman. Uh, hedge hedging at all? Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna hedge because Mama didn't raise a quitter. Mama didn't raise a hedger. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean we're not gardeners here. Yeah, no gardeners on this podcast. I mean, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, I like that. Uh, I might use that at some point. But uh, hedging is I'm for gardeners. Gonna, yeah, I'll say this, um, you know, as someone who's not gambling, you know, thousands of dollars in future markets or gambling thousands of dollars on a game every single weekend, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty particular about my units. Or, you know, I'll be doing $100 units, $200 units, sometimes 50 depending on, you know, if I got bills to pay, Drew. Sure. So hedging in this situation at a plus 200, uh, you know, I don't really need to on Jalen Daniels. And, uh, you know, and I'm kind of competitive right now where I got roast beef bets with Eric on that bet because he thinks that Daniels is clearly the Heisman winner. He's been the best player in college football year long. Uh, but LSU has lost their biggest games they've played. And you could say the defense hasn't been the best. But, uh, you know, Caleb Williams won last year and USC's defense sucked too. Um, yeah. And they lost their two biggest games they needed to win. But anyways, back to Washington, Oregon. I do think Bo Nix wins the Heisman. I still – Consistent with that one, I think this game means everything. My angle of attack here is Oregon first half, minus four and a half. That's what I played. I see some shops already moving out to five and a half, six, six and a half. I think it should close seven. I don't see the much difference in four and a half to seven in the first place. Uh, But 
Oregon has got out to quick starts, Drew. You mentioned the past six, seven weeks, Oregon's clearly been the more dominant team between the two. Oregon has been the number one or two best team in all of college football in that span. And uh, they've beaten everybody by 10 or plus points and led at halftime by four or more every time. Um, I love the matchup on the field. I feel like on that Allegiant Stadium field, I feel like Oregon's offense could thrive. That speed will be on display. And if we know the two defenses, Oregon has the stronger defense of the two. Uh, so I like the Ducks' first half in the spot. I do think they win the game outright, and I think winning you're in for Oregon. So uh, Washington's not TCU of last year, Drew. Um, no. So are, are you? Uh, do you feel Bo Nix has Heisman locked up if he wins this, or you still think Daniels is alive and well? I think this is you know the straw poll that I read most recently, which I think it was yesterday. Um, indicated that Nix is the going to be the guy if you and and he's the guy right now yeah. which means a win launches Oregon into probably uh, number two or number three in the next ranking uh and it puts um uh it puts the Heisman in Bo Nix's hand in my opinion uh I think you know that, nothing against Daniels like it's been an amazing season for him but um I don't think there's really anything he can do now a Washington win uh, that makes things interesting. People might penalize Knicks. Um, and yeah. so I almost feel like you're, you could try to shoot for a middle if you are someone out there holding a Bo Knicks ticket and grab a little Washington plus 10. If Washington covers, but Oregon yeah, wins I mean, yeah. ugly, yeah, Bo Knicks could still win, right? If Washington wins, Bo Knicks could still win, but it doesn't feel as likely. Um, and yeah. uh, I think ultimately uh, it's a fun way to try to hedge any kind of a Bo Nix ticket. And if you have a Jalen Daniels ticket, I don't mind just taking a money line price on Oregon because an ugly Oregon win might be enough to sway some voters in his favor. There's going to be a campaign next week, I'm sure. Um, people vote early, like the ballots are already out there. So uh, it's tough to say if it's going to be a, um, uh, you know, tough to say if it's going to be a close call or not. But uh, I think this win, and, you know, Mark is saying it's 67% chance that, uh, or excuse me, 75% chance that Oregon's going to win this game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a big number. Uh, and yeah. I think that means that uh, there's more than 50% chance that Bo Nix wins the Heisman. Yeah, I think that's the only reason why Nix's uh, odds are closer than we expect with Daniels is because the, if they do lose this game, that will, you know, give everyone significant pricing difference here because he's going to go to minus 250 or something if they win this game, in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be a good race. And I like your approach on hedging with Washington money line here. I think Oregon gets out to halftime lead. So maybe I'll think about grabbing Washington, you know, three to one, four to one or better uh, at the you know half point of that game after I catch Oregon. That way I can hedge my next bet. Um, that's the way to go. But the Pac-12 was competitive this year, I will know before we move on. Arizona, right. Oregon State, Utah, USC, four really good teams there that finished right in the middle of the pack uh, for the Pac-12. So, Moving on to the Big 12 uh, Conference Championship, we got Oklahoma State and Texas, Drew. The Longhorns are now laying 14.5 points. It was out to 15.5 at one point, 55.5 is the total. When I look at this game, when I look at the situation, Texas obviously needs to win. It's reflected here in the spread. Uh, but style points matters for the Longhorns. <laughs> and a 57-7 win last week was definitely very helpful for them. Here against Oklahoma State, when you look at the Cowboys' three losses this year, they've allowed 33, 34, and 45 points. That's pretty good for a team that needs to put up points here for style to sneak into that four spot. So I like Texas team total over 34.5. It's juiced around 125, 130 odds. Uh, But I see this team scoring more than four touchdowns. I could see them getting five-plus 
and this offense is the best team Oklahoma State saw this year. So um, your opinions on this game, you riding with that team total over? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a great look. Uh, I have thought of various ways to try to get into this one. Uh, I think Texas's ability to generate a healthy lead is pretty likely. Uh, I don't think Oklahoma State is a very good team. Uh, and I think ultimately the weaknesses on the Oklahoma State defense is going to make this look like uh, pretty quick work for Texas, who I uh, have a ton of respect for. And, you know, I don't know that Texas is going to get into it once it's all said and done. They need a lot of help at this point. Um, but I would say that, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, a rerun of what we saw last week where it was just one way traffic against Texas Tech would not shock me whatsoever. Um, Texas says, you know, laying the points, not, not, not concerned about it. Texas first half. Uh, if you want a little bit of uh, uh, take a little bit of uh, heat off the top there, uh, Oklahoma yeah. State, for whatever reason, has been letting teams get out to massive leads, uh, mm. particularly of late. I don't exactly know what's going on with their strategy, but their defense uh, takes about a half to get warmed up, I guess, um, if it ever gets warmed up. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, some close calls for Oklahoma State the last couple of weeks at Houston against BYU. This is a beast of a different animal. I think uh, if you're conceding 43 to those squads, 40 and 43 to those squads, then – uh, Texas is going to get you, uh, going to get you good. Yeah. And I, I'm hoping for a 21 piece, at least in the first half from Texas, but if they get out to quick oh, leads, I think that's, or if Oklahoma state's letting teams have do that, then I think that's very possible for Texas. So I like that first half look too. If you're getting under seven points, uh, it's pretty similar, I guess, to my Oregon take in my opinion. Uh, but I think Texas is the much better offense. I think they're quicker. I think Oklahoma state was very ground dependent at points this season. And uh, Texas has a very good rush defense, we saw. And my question to you, Drew, before we move on in this one, because it seems like we're going to be in the majority here where we like Texas to some degree in this game, but mm-hmm. we noted Texas needs help. You know, their resume really built on uh, the win over Alabama was the biggest yes. thing for them this year. Now, if Alabama goes out and beats Georgia, then, you know, that probably helps Alabama and hurts Texas right now because the recency bias will get Alabama likely. And since they're ranked ahead of Texas right now, um, I don't know if you have a different opinion on that, but when I thought about the ways that Texas Longhorns get in, um, it really results on Florida State losing. It's going to rely on Alabama losing, um, and it's going to rely probably on Oregon losing and Washington winning. So, like, most the, – they're the longest shot of the longest shots. Yeah, I think that's all realistic. Uh, the, the SEC championship, we should revisit this, but um... – the what we what we've seen so far from the committee in terms of rankings, um, they have, for whatever reason, made a very strong case about head to head being super meaningful. <laughs> and so the fact that uh, Texas beat Alabama, I think, really, really makes the SEC championship game high leverage because a Georgia loss and it's going to be interesting to see if the committee has this, you know, the uh, the fortitude to flip those teams. Uh, and if they do, do they keep Texas over Alabama? Because that's that's probably the um, you know the the most uh, fascinating uh, you know kind of wrinkle in this. And in that world, depending of course on the Pac-12 result, are you leaving the SEC champion out, or are we you know are we going to find a way to um, you know to get Alabama in as well? Uh, and mm-hmm. you know I think Georgia that that just makes Georgia's uh, candidacy that much more tenuous in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, it's worth noting. So the, the latest college football rankings uh, that just came out, uh, Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Washington 3, Florida State 4. We have Oregon 5, Ohio State 6, 
Texas seven, Alabama eight. Uh, so like I guess I think Alabama's if they beat Georgia, it, they might jump Texas in the situation uh, just because Georgia's undefeated. And Ohio State being six to me was the the wackiest uh, of the bunch. You know, I I dropped them to eight in mine. I dropped them behind Texas and Alabama uh, ahead of Missouri, Penn State, and Old Miss. Um, so. I think there's going to be a lot of drama this weekend, but uh, not as much as everyone anticipates, Drew, because uh, Georgia should beat Alabama. Um, you know, they're laying five and a half now. It was out to six at one point to come back down. We saw it open around four, four and a half, and we talked about this weeks ago when we said Alabama at three and a half and four, is that enticing? And you said, I don't know. I think Georgia at this number <laughs> is the play because this line's going to go out. And you were right. It's here. Um, so yeah. question one, did you get Georgia earlier? <laughs> and two, if you did not, do you regret it? Yes, and you, you know and yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't really know what to make of Alabama, man. Uh, that effort against uh, Auburn. And I know we talked – you said it, like throw out the records. Yeah. It's always a tough game. Um, yeah. They needed a little bit of a miracle to kind of stay and you know, keep their keep their noses in this race. Um, wasn't a miracle, obviously, but they needed some they needed some high leverage stuff to go break their way. Um, Georgia, on the other hand, is is pretty dynamic in every aspect of the game. They're at full strength. Um, tough for me to see how Nick Saban, all albeit a magician, uh, how he finds a way into this one. Um, this has been you know the Kirby Show going on a little while now dominating this matchup outside of like i think what one impressive alabama shocker at the sec uh championship game a couple years ago and even that one was like like georgia was still in so they were very very low leverage in that game like we're getting in regardless um so it's yeah it it's not um it's not clear to me that uh uh, Alabama has a way into this game. Uh, it's not clear to me that their offense is high enough quality to take advantage of some of the weaknesses, if there are any in the Georgia defense. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think this is Georgia pass. And, um, you know, kind of intrigued that the market has been a little bit um, not really interested in this game, which is weird. Uh, you know, typically a game that that's this high, high, you know, this, this high leverage, just this much magnitude, uh, you're not going to see Moneyline just kind of, sit there 225 to 235 you know and take 10 cents of action that's all we got here that's just yeah. not very much and uh you know i i would have expected a, a little bit more of uh um you know some opinion making here but it's not happening uh you know georgia's gonna kind of land in this minus 220 it sounds, seems like minus 230 range on the money line um and you know i think you just have to factor that in accordingly with the rest of your bets georgia probably wins they're probably your, uh, you know, your, I don't know, I guess, depending on quality of win, do you think that in fact impacts whether they're one or two? Uh, I mean, Georgia, no, I think Georgia's the one seed no matter what in the college football yeah. playoff. I mean, you don't win 29 straight, 30 straight games and then not be the one seed. Like, that's blasphemous in my opinion. I love Michigan. I'm, I'm going to well, give Michigan all the hype, but no. You want my tinfoil hat conspiracy? Yeah. They put Georgia at one specifically so that they can – keep the door open for Ohio state at four, if they decide to. Yeah. I mean, that was why, like they didn't want to, they don't want a rematch of Michigan, Ohio state in a one four. And so that was why they flipped though. And they, so they could easily, if Ohio state's clearly not in, they could flip flop back if they, if they like the potential of a two, three, one, four matchup differently, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good point. Um, 
Yeah, I didn't think that much in advance. Look at you, Drew. Look at you, <laughs> sharp guy. Well, um, you, look at, you look down the rankings at who they pushed yeah. up, you know, and like you know that that kind of helps. Like, what was it, Missouri? There was a couple of, of 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 much further down teams that got like surprisingly pushed up, and I was like, well, they didn't really deserve it. Why would they do that? And you do the math, and you're like, oh, that's how they got Georgia to the top is they pushed up the teams they beat. Okay, I see now. So mm-hmm. you know, there there's clearly some engineering going on here, which I appreciate. Like, I don't want to see Michigan Ohio State again. If Michigan's clearly the number one team and Ohio State's clearly number four, like, no, yeah. engineer it so we get some something a little different. That's that's perfectly fine. So. Um, no, I think that that's kind of the uh, the macro. Uh, that's kind of the macro picture we're looking at here, and Georgia probably gets it done. I, I just um, I think Alabama may be more alive next year, but uh, you know this is this is going to be a tough one for me to make any kind of bet on at the current price. Yeah, for for me in this one, I mean, from a historical standpoint, one thing stood out to me when I looked at the SEC champions and the uh, what happens for the winning team in the SEC championship. They've scored at least 30 points in 13 of the last 15 games and 19 of the past 22. Uh, and Georgia's team total, 29 and a half and 30 and a half. So I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. Uh, I love the Georgia offense and defense. I love this Georgia team in general. Obviously, they're not as good as past two years. But um, two injuries worth noting for Georgia's offense are Lab McConkey and Brad Bowers. They both have in- uh, ankle injuries right now. So, you know, the – They've been practicing or very limited in practice so far. So those two things are big deals for them because if those guys play, I mean, Georgia's scoring 30-plus points in this spot. Uh, so that's kind of something I'm looking at. And then for Alabama, Drew, uh, Jace McClellan, the running back for Alabama, has an ankle injury as well. He's hurt. Um, and he's their best player, uh, arguably on offense, outside of Milrow. And uh, if you don't have him, you become a little more one-dimensional with Jalen Milrow. You know how to attack him and spy him. So Alabama's team total of 24 and a half uh, looks like a pretty good bet to an under for me because Georgia could just uh, pound these boys in the first half and kind of, you know, pressure Milrow and get him out of pocket in the second half. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a great game, but I I just don't have any faith in Alabama here. Um, Not like I did in 2021 in the SEC championship when I was all over Alabama (laughs) and all over Georgia and the Natty. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Jalen Milrow, he will not also get the Heisman uh, for beating Auburn in the last second, by the way. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. I know how to run a hair salon. But for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. But all right, let's talk about Friday morning, 11 a.m., December 1st. It is the NBC Sports College Football Betting Preview. Mm -hmm. It's our Q&A. Brad Thomas, Eric Froton, and myself answering all your questions for conference championship weekend, including Jalen Milrow, who I just spoke of in Alabama, trying to crash the party 
and a college football playoff with a win over number one Georgia in the SEC title game. It'll be a great game there. Eric will have all the props. Brad Thomas makes his return after one month off uh, due to having a baby. Congratulations, Brad. We know you cannot wait to talk about betting football. He's an Alabama guy, so we'll have some side bets, Drew, uh, in that game, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about probably the one that most people are going to be playing a money line sprinkle on, uh, Louisville and Florida State. Mm. The Seminoles are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Obviously, Jordan Travis out for season. We touched on that last week uh, when Florida State was vulnerable, in my opinion, to Florida. But Florida State did the cover in the second half there, played much better football. Um, so my question to you is, Florida State obviously winning your in, losing your out. Uh, but, you know, even a win here isn't that impressive for Florida State, their current situation, because they could possibly get bounced. Yeah, I don't know if that's happening. <laughs> Twelve and zero in college football. I mean, I can, I, I get it. You want the four best teams in the playoffs, like you yes. want, you want, you want the the highest quality product possible. You want to to crown a deserving champion. But let, um, let me ask you this: sure, Did sure. they learn from last year, though? Because last year, are you going to agree that TCU was not like Alabama should have probably been in over TCU last year? I, agree I mean. With that. Yes, and TCU showed us that in the national championship why they probably shouldn't have made the college football playoff, although they were undefeated. Well, they got there, though. Yes, they got there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I will say that. But I, I don't know. I, yeah. This is a situation where Florida State's probably going to get bounced badly. I see, I see what you're saying. But, um, uh, I mean, we agree, like, a loss here and it's over, over. Yeah, um, a uh, a win here and a you know kind of completing an undefeated season gets rewarded. I think that we've got enough evidence of what the committee wants to do and looking past what perceived quality, looking past perceived Vegas power rating, right? Looking past an S and P plus rating, right? People, you know, they they've consistently looked past those when you have a, you know, an outlier case of a team going undefeated um, and Florida state within the lack of, you know, in the absence of Travis, are they as good a team? Clearly not. Uh, but there's still a lot of players on that team who have played a lot of good football this year. And I think ultimately they get rewarded with the fourth seed. And uh, that makes the one seed kind of decision a little bit more interesting, right? Like if they're effectively, uh, you know, happy to be their participant, Whereas two three is like you know fight to the death against Oregon, right? Like that swings championship um, equity massively between Georgia and uh, Michigan. So haven't seen a lot of people really kind of talking about that. And I think the quality of def- you know quality of performance this weekend could determine a lot of ultimately the championship equity. And I think it could tilt it in favor of Michigan just because. We'll get there, but uh, they have a much higher likelihood, I think, of putting on just an absolute show and getting the one seed and potentially drawing Florida State, who I think will win this game. Uh, we've seen a little bit of a shift in this game in terms of uh, expe- implied, you know, win probability. Um, you know, people, the market has shortened on Louisville. People think Louisville has a shot, and I have seen enough Louisville this year to tell you that <laughs> you're going to trust that team. Best of luck to you. Like there are some weeks that they just no show and you're up against a Florida state team that has one of the better pass rushes in all of college football. They're going to be able to get after your quarterback pretty aggressively. The time, you know, the pre- time to pressure for this team is outstanding. 
Uh, and uh, the, your opportunity to hit home runs, I think, is going to be pretty limited here. So this total of 48.5 feels low, but I think it's correct. <laughs> like It should yeah. be low because I think the Florida State defense can absolutely dictate terms here, keep Louisville in a box, uh, and then they just got to do enough to get a win at some point. So if it comes down to high leverage drives at the end of the game and the ball's in the hands of your backup quarterback, do I feel good? No. Uh, but I think Florida State is the right side ultimately, and I, uh, I'd like to get a little bit more information on some of the ancillary people pieces um motivations how is the, you know how is the team feeling like well, you know what what's i haven't heard any kind of reports really that kind of indicate um you know how they're preparing for this week in this matchup but uh, i would guess that florida state is going ultimately going to be a side um and you know in a game of this magnitude where you have a team that has a clear advantage which i would look at florida state's defense against louisville's offense uh and you're under a key number of two and a half uh this closes three in my opinion yeah, I definitely think it's going to continue to move out to Florida State direction. Um, it was, you know, one and a half or two at some spots, slowly creeping out. But I agree. I think Plummer for Louisville, the quarterback, I think he's going to have a rough day. And this should be the second lowest scoring game in the of the five games we talk about today. But it could be the lowest scoring because I do think uh, both offenses could struggle at some points. And Florida State, from everything I've read or uh, heard about them on social media so far, coming from the coach and some players is, we know what we have to do. Uh, we've been tested this season. And uh, I do have more faith in Florida State in this spot, knowing what they have to do to get in than Louisville. And they were tested last week, as mentioned. Uh, they trailed at halftime 12-7 to to the Gators at Florida at the Swamp. And we talked about that's a game where Florida could win it. You throw out the records again. Florida needs a win to be bowl eligible. And uh, Florida State scores 17 in the second half to win that game uh, and holds Florida to three. So, I, I do think the Seminoles are their side here. I think the under is the right side as well, Drew. Um, and I'll note that uh, TCU, they did beat Michigan last year in the college football playoff. But Michigan's defense, I don't know what they were on that day, allowing uh, 51 points. It never will happen again. Uh, so we'll revisit this Florida State talk in a second because we'll talk about yes-nos for the college football playoffs. But we also got to talk about my Jim Harbaugh-led Wolverines. Um, after seeing them, Drew, in a press box on Saturday, I understand why. More coaches like to be in the press box, obviously. You can see literally everything compared to being on a sideline. Uh, and what I noticed more than anything was the impressiveness of Marvin Harrison Jr. He should be the number one pick in the NFL, my guy. Uh, this He is literally everything you want a number one receiver. Michigan's defense, as impressive as they've been all season, they, uh, they struggled with him. But this spot, the Big Ten Championship, they won't struggle for a second. Uh, Deacon Hill may not get more than five first downs. The over-under for their points is six and a half. You know I'm on the under here. I think that uh, they may get – I don't know if they get more points than first downs in this one, Drew. I don't know. You're muted, by the way. Like Iowa's offense is going to be on, on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good prop. Uh, yeah, excuse me, dealing with a little bit of a cold, so don't want to be coughing into the microphone. Um, yeah, the uh, the I, I've been struggling to figure this game out, man. Uh, I punched in the numbers. Don't overthink and, it. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, no, I've been I've been I've been struggling. Like, is Michigan gonna win forty nine to zero or fifty two to zero? Like, it's <laughs> it, you know, I, I keep getting a different answer every time I rerun the sim, man. Um, I like over. I like Michigan. I think this is an absurd line, an absurd market. I don't know why anyone would doubt Michigan in any capacity in this contest. I don't think I, I was drawing dead every single time they have the football. Um, a lot of happy to be here, kind of 
vibes from the Iowa team right now. Uh, this is an offense that has struggled against mediocre defenses at times this season, and now they're up against the elite. This is not going to be a fair fight, and I think Michigan, again, with like a, just a truly outstanding performance, could launch themselves into the one uh, and potentially uh, you know, draw, draw Florida State if they win, and if Florida State loses, then uh, sets up a fun Michigan-Texas, Michigan-Bama, uh, and uh, or Michigan Georgia, Georgia win, loses, but they still put them in. So, you know, there's there's a lot of funny wrinkles, interesting wrinkles here that uh, I would, uh, you know, excited to see how they they play out. But um, I, you know, you were here, you were on this corner a million years ago, so I will give you full credit. But uh, I don't think I don't think anyone's beating Michigan this year. Yeah, yeah, I think I, Michigan's going to win it all, and uh, I'm hoping. Um, that I'll be at the college football playoff representing them. And hopefully it's Oregon that I see them playing, which would be electric. Uh, but this spot here was a game that I am not going to attend. Um, I didn't even put in for the press pass because I don't want to watch Deacon Hill get shut out, but I want to make money on it. And I'm going to do that from home with all my friends. Uh, yeah, I was defense and special teams has a better chance of scoring points than I was offense does in this position. Jim Harbaugh returns as well, which is going to have Michigan very, very amped up in this spot. So it's Michigan first quarter, minus six and a half for me as well. They get out to at least a 7-0 start on Iowa in this spot too. And the thing is, Drew, why the spread is only 23 and a half, and people are saying this is a disrespectful line with a total 35 and a half. Michigan can be up in this game 35-0 at halftime and Mm -hmm. not score in the entire second half and run the ball every single play like they did against Penn State because their only goal is to secure that college football playoff. And uh, at this point, beating Iowa, you know, in any type of fashion just doesn't doesn't make a difference. It really doesn't for Jim Harbaugh and company. They just beat Ohio State with an interim coach. They are good. They're in the college football <laughs> playoff, and they got Iowa. Uh, so let's go Wolverines. If you didn't get the plus 280 last week for them to win the national championship, it's down to plus 180 as the favorites. Uh, but I expect them to be co-favorites with Georgia uh, once the Bulldogs beat Alabama, which is my expectations. Okay. Drew, uh, yeah. Yes, no markets. Any other thoughts on Michigan, Iowa before we talk about uh, who we think we should be betting on? Well, I'd just like your opinion on um, if I'm going to get involved in Michigan title at this point. Um, let's say yeah. that Chalk prevails and that they don't really shuffle the deck here at the top and uh, Michigan draws Oregon in the 2 3. What kind of line is that? Mm. Probably say. Michigan minus four. Oh, okay. Three and a half, four. What do you Ooh. think? That's I, I. I don't have a good answer. That was. Yeah, I, I wanted your opinion. Yeah, um, I mean, anything more than that, I feel like maybe too much. Like we, Michigan's defense against everybody is going to be elite, but the only team that I think would give them problems is that Oregon offense. Um, yeah, and that's why yeah. I say that because I think Oregon does get the respect. Like if Michigan draws Washington, if Washington pulls it out and beats Oregon, I think that Michigan-Washington line, I mean, that's at least six and a half. It should be seven and a half outside of seven, in my opinion, because oh, yeah, that defense be, can handle my Michael Penix. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it would, be might be number. 10 yeah, if seeing what Oregon is right now. So, yeah, no, no. I think, yeah, Oregon's 10 over Washington on neutral. And granted, in the light of a, of a Washington win, people will adjust. Yes. Uh, dress them up. 
but it'll be outside of seven, I think. Um, The Oregon number is fascinating to think about because in or out, inside or outside of three is going to be kind of, that's the big question for the books, right? Like, do they start outside of three expecting that it will certainly stay there? Do they start inside of three and risk getting a middle? Uh, Because uh, it is strength on strength. You have the best, uh, you know, at least my opinion, at least the best defense with Michigan up against uh, the best offense with Oregon. Um, My number if just just raw numbers without actually, uh, you know, cranking any kind of um, uh, a simulation here would be six. So I would expect they open it outside of three, and then it probably mm-hmm. kind of finds its home somewhere between three and six. Yeah. So yeah, maybe we get that closing with four for me there. I think uh, yeah, I think if you give them a three, a two and a half or three, it's a mistake. People are hitting Michigan right off the bat. They're taking the Wolverines in that spot. Uh, and if you give them, you know, anything opening outside of that, people are going to take Oregon because of what we just mentioned, best offense on best defense. Uh, but we know defense wins championships, people. So don't forget about that. Um, but Bo Nix is certainly going to be exciting to watch this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at Michigan's current price of plus 180, plus 190, I'm not as enticed to grab it this week. I'd like to see Georgia win and get that plus 200 number or better. Uh, when I grabbed Michigan, I got them at plus 420 and then plus 280. Um, so I got two decent numbers on them. Wish I'd have grabbed them earlier in the season. Um, but looking at a couple of the teams real right quick, uh, you know, Oregon's minus 280 to make the cultural playoff, basically the money line price against Washington. Same with Florida State, sitting at minus 140 to make it. Uh, that would mean Washington plus 250 for a yes, Drew. Uh, Alabama plus 205 for a yes. Um, and then we have the outsiders. Uh, Texas plus 155 still look like that could happen and Georgia or excuse me, Ohio state plus 1500, um, 15 <laughs> to one, they need a lot of help, but they're the number six team in the college football rankings. So who do you like in this market? Is there anyone you're like, I just have to say, to get? I just have to say some of those numbers are poison. Yeah, they're like they're very enticing, but it relies on a lot of things to happen. Like you can parlay yeah, things true. to happen and make way more money. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot, you can just bet Washington money line at three twenty. It's better than yeah. betting them at two fifty to make the playoff. Because hey, guess what? If Washington loses to Oregon, they're not getting in. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, it's that's that's some of these are wild. Um, I am intrigued by uh, the potential to capture a I, I guess the one that's the most interesting to talk about is Florida State no is plus money because right now they're minus 125 ish I think to win this game when we pulled up minus 135 they're minus 135 to win and so what you're basically saying is I'm backing Louisville to beat them at plus 115 plus getting you know for five more cents I'm getting the potential that the committee snubs them at 12 and 0 which feels like more than a five cent probability. Like it's, I don't think it's likely we already said, I already said this, like I think 12 and 0 will get them in, but you're for a relatively cheap price. You're getting the potential that uh, they put in somebody over uh, Florida state, even if uh, again, you know, and that could happen. Like if we're right, and this is an ugly defensive slog of a game and there's like a, you know, weird fluky missed field goal by Louisville. And that's how Florida state gets it done. Like, Okay. Like maybe they do, but I, I, I personally think that uh twelve and 0 season will uh will secure them the bag in terms of a four seed and um but I and the rest of this stuff is absolutely insane because it is going to take uh so much uh so many wild outcomes here. And and the Georgia one's the most interesting because yes is minus five fifty. 
and their money line price is only minus two uh, thirty five right now. Um, wow. So they got to be in, even if they lose. Kind of crazy. They're 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 in if they lose though. They're in if they lose. So you so yes. walk me through that world. Walk me through the world. Who who are they? Yeah, in this over? is actually. Yeah. Okay. So I would Michigan winner of the Pac twelve. Yeah, let's yep. put just put Michigan in regardless. Yeah. Yeah, Michigan's the one. Uh, you'd have Oregon. I would say the two because I predict Oregon to win. Okay. Um, I would slide Georgia in there as the three. Okay. Um, Wow. Again, 20, 29 and one over the last three seasons. I don't okay. bump you out over. Definitely not a Florida State team with a backup quarterback. Okay. Um, I I really do like Ohio State. Feel like they are, if not one of the four best, the five best teams in the country. Okay. Um, but yeah, you'd have to probably give Alabama that number four over Texas because they beat Georgia, who was number one team all year. But then Texas beat Alabama early in the year when Alabama may not have been. The team. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just can't say Alabama and Texas are your three and four if Georgia lose because Georgia's done something that Alabama and Texas have not consistently. They've okay. won for three straight seasons. And it's like, okay. I can't, I can't forget about that all because they <laughs> lost one game in the SEC championship when one team has their back against the wall and Georgia's yeah. should be safely in. Yeah. I, but, I guess so you think. A lot of those you players. Think Texas, yeah. Alabama would make it in if Georgia loses. Is that what you're saying? Um, or Ohio State? It's a fair question. So uh, the the fascinating thing to me is well, and your points are fair. Uh, I will tell you though, a lot of those national title winning Georgia Bulldogs play for the Eagles now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, like sixty like, percent yeah, of them. Yeah, there's 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 a lot there's a lot of been there's been some attrition, so you know you you gotta yes. weigh that a little bit, but um and you know the SEC has felt like at times you know ultimately they looked like they were fine as a conference, but for a lot of the season they were having a very down year. It felt like, um and so giving only- two slots is giving them two slots is insane. Um, if Alabama wins, which means that you have a tough decision. though. do we put the SEC title winner in or do we put the you know, the legacy team that we had number one last weekend. Um, and it's a tough call. I think the way that they've structured the rankings, they've probably given, uh, they've probably put, they, they're using Texas as a blocking back on Alabama. Uh, and I think that uh, it's possible you, they would slide um, Georgia in as the four uh, in a world where Florida State wins. Uh, and then you're blocking both Texas and Alabama. And then you don't have to deal with that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there too. Yeah, this okay. is, it's just, there's so many situations. Like I, I still, I, the whole time you're talking, I'm like, what if this happens though too? And like, well, you know, what if this happens? Sure, like, sure. How I, the, Georgia, the Georgia Alabama game is the key to unlock a lot of this stuff because I think yeah. a lot of the rest of what we're talking about is not going to come to fruition. Texas isn't losing, I don't think. Um, yeah. You're, you know, the, the only one of Oregon and Washington is going to get consideration. Uh, exactly. And, uh, you know, Florida State, winning or losing just opens the door for Texas to come in, I think. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the last decision. I, I, my guess is we have, we're at a point now where we have decided, at least I'm, I'm looking at the numbers. So partially I'm being informed by the market here. We have decided Michigan is in, Georgia is in, the winner of Oregon, Washington is in, and Florida State is in if they win, Texas is in if Florida State loses. That's kind of the way I read this right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm actually in 100% grants. I, uh, 
you know, it's it's funny because Ohio State's the six and Texas the seven, but I would you know bump Texas up over them as well, winning this game. That's why I said the style points matter. Yeah, um, this was that's why I like the team total yeah. for Texas because it's going to be convincing to have you jump Ohio State when Ohio State. I don't want to say you know because it was a, it came down to the final possession. Ohio State had a chance there to tie up the game or to win the game against Michigan, but. You know, as someone who likes drama, I see why they said it was a fumble uh, for Ohio State there, but that was an incomplete pass, and everyone in the press box believed that as well. Um, so, you know, it's Ohio State's a really, really good team, Drew, and so is Texas. So if Florida State loses, like, Texas has to put up the style points there to get the nod over Ohio State. Uh, but I wouldn't be opposed to Ohio State being in, and it being Georgia versus Ohio State, one versus four, Michigan versus Oregon, two versus three. Um, I think that would be an absolutely electric college football playoff. Mm. And if Texas is the four, it would be the exact same thing. Absolutely electric. So, yeah, um, okay. yeah, that about wraps it for our college football playoff talk. I mean, 40 something minutes in the books already, Drew. Good stuff, <laughs> my guy. Um, it's going to be a good Saturday. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good Saturday and Friday night with Oregon, too, as well. Friday night, yeah. Um, so, yeah, join us Friday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, NBC Sports YouTube. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow and Grow. Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner, too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now, he's rolling in the green. Like a... Like a good neighbor? Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor? State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. Before that, before we talk Thursday night football, we have Sunday night football as well uh, to talk about because it's a career first for our guy, Patrick Mahomes. On Sunday Night Football, the reigning MVP is traveling to Lambeau Field for the first time in his career to take on Jordan Love and the Packers. Coverage starts at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. And I actually looked up the weather that game, Drew. Uh, looks like it's going to be, you know, low to mid-30s. We're going to have some rain in that game as well. Um, and it could get down below freezing, so maybe some freezing rain there. I love that for Patty Mahomes in his first trip to Lambeau. Uh, we need some snow, though. That would make it better. Um, but Thursday night football, Drew. Seahawks at Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are laying nine. Overrunners mm-hmm. at 47 and a half. So the total was actually 46 when I looked yesterday. It started trickling <laughs> up. And yeah. Seahawks was nine or ten point nine or plus ten, nine and a half point underdogs. That came down. And it's all because I mentioned earlier in the show at the top, Geno Smith, is rumored to be looking much better in practice. The elbow injury may not be what it looked like against San Francisco on Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, I want to believe in what Pete Carroll's saying. I want to believe in some of the beat reporters. But the Seahawks' defense – or Seahawks' 
offense has not looked good for weeks. And uh, this is a spot where I'm eyeing up a team total under 19 and a half, uh, maybe a little too high. If we get to 20 and a half, I'll probably play that. But yeah, Dallas's defense, you believing in them or not on Thursday night football? Yeah, so no amount of weather is going to make this game interesting. Uh, and you're not going to get any weather anyway because it's in Jerry World. But um, the uh, <clears throat> the Seahawks right now are probably one of my um, lowest rated teams that people still perceive as somewhat good and or relevant. Um, yeah. I have two problems with the way they're playing right now. Uh, the offensive line is a massive, massive issue. They are really, really struggling in pass protection, and they cannot create running lanes for the running backs. And the running back situation is dire as well as they are down to Zach Charbonnet. Uh, Kenneth Walker's absence has mattered. Um, and I will caution all of this with, it looks like Abe Lucas is practicing. He is a tackle for the Seahawks, and he does have a pulse. More of a pulse than Jason Peters, certainly. Like That was a wild scene watching him try to run around and play professional football at his age on Thanksgiving night. Um, and so Lucas back might help solidify that unit to the tune where they are mitigating the pass rush for the Cowboys. Um, but I need to see it to believe it because right now, if they are continuing to perform at the level that, that they are in pass pro, um, they are going to get slaughtered by this pass rush. Dan Quinn is coordinating his, you know, what off, it has been awesome to see this unit continue to grow and develop. Deron Bland with a pick six every other game is insane. Uh, and Michael Parsons, I know he's been a little under the weather this week. Um, I still think is, you know, kind of primed to continue to rack stats and, you know, put his name into the DPOI race. So a lot of opportunity here for the Cowboys defense to flex a bit. Uh, and, you know, the Seahawks, the injury to uh, Geno Smith, I'm not really discounting his performance a ton. Uh, his he's grading poorly, independent of being healthy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. He just doesn't have. He's he, like like the protection is broken down to the point where he just doesn't have uh, time to operate. He's 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 rushing things. He's feeling the pressure. The game is not slowing down for him. He doesn't have a ton of chemistry with his wide receiver core. I think missing practice has not helped him. Uh, you know, kind of stay on rhythm with those guys. Um, and the you know the schematic. The, the sequencing of plays for the Seahawks has been a problem for Pete Carroll as long as I can remember. Uh, that's not changing anytime soon. They're still going to continue to waste downs running into a cloud of dust. And uh, if you're putting Geno Smith in third and long against this Cowboys unit with that offensive line protecting him, uh, this is going to be a long night for Mr. Smith. Uh, that said, Dak Prescott playing at an MVP level right now. CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks both having enormous last months of the year. And this uh, team, I think, has gotten away from the run because they have sort of just figured out it's not that effective for them. That is bearing dividends. <laughs> like, <laughs> it turns out hey, if we're more aggressive, we just let Dak throw. We're actually kind of – our offense is really good. Uh, and the offensive line is performing well. The Seattle defense has a ton of issues. Um, so, yeah, I think this is uh, Cowboys or pass. And uh, if you want to get involved with, uh, you know, kind of a more exotic way or angle of attack, Seattle team total under seems like a fun one. Yeah, I mean, Dallas, they've been uh, the n number one or two team all year in points per game at home. Uh, they allow 12 points per game at home. I know that. Uh, but what, I think what's really been impressive is outside of those two losses against the Eagles and Niners for Dallas, 
Uh, they've held all five of those other teams to 20 or fewer points and four of them to 17 or less. Like their defense has been on a elite level against pretty much everybody they've played this year. And uh, you mentioned, you know, Geno Smith can sack left and right last week. That makes sense why Jason, like Jason Peters was out there. Cause I was like, <laughs> you know, they looked really bad. He took six sacks, um, you know, and I could see something of that nature here against Dallas too. Um, and, you know, 16 or fewer points in three of the last four games for that Seattle offense. They have just sputtered um, in the past month and Dallas's defense can smother opponents. So, yeah, that's kind of the only way of attack for this game. You know, Zach Charbonnet, I don't think he runs anywhere. And one thing you mentioned, Drew, uh, you don't have to run as much heavy. Tony Pollard, we're all excited to see him in the Dallas offense, but they've noticed the last two games, 10 receptions for Pollard, 11 targets. You can throw the ball to Tony Pollard and, in running situations and get the same amount of yards, if not do more damage. That's why he's so dangerous. So, um, yeah, I love the Dallas Cowboys. My question to you before we leave this podcast, leave this topic, Deron Bland, because you mentioned him, seven picks, five touchdowns. What does he have to do to be in the defensive MVP conversation? Like, does he need to break an interception record and have seven, eight touchdowns to get consideration over Watt, Parsons, um, you know, the rest of the field? Yeah, so the – the answer is complicated because is there anything he can do? <laughs> right? Because he's doing like, the same thing that was kind of already done by a teammate, right? Yeah, right. And and he came into the season without name recognition. Uh people are, you know, people are a little bit hesitant to, I think, uh recognize defensive players where they aren't already anchored to this guy really matters, right? And so I don't know that there's much he can really do. He kind of needs TJ Watt and he needs Miles Garrett to performance to fall off, which it very well may. And he needs TJ Watt's performance to to uh, fall off as well, which I don't think it's going to. So I yeah. it's uh, I think it's it's he needs a little bit too much. So I'm going to say no. Yeah, yeah, okay. I wanted your take at all for if it was a, if it was a sprinkle some lunch money, but uh, I didn't think so either. I think it's definitely a three player race there between Garrett Watt and Parsons. Yeah. Uh, three of the pa- best pass rushers we may see in our lifetimes, to be honest with you. Yep. All right. So as always, as always, Drew, uh, best bet from the show. What's it going to be? Michigan Wolverines slay the points. They're going yeah. by 24 plus. Deacon Hill, don't even show up. If you want to make money next year in college football, don't even show up on Saturday. <laughs> never heard of him. Yeah, never heard of him. <laughs> if you heard of him, you won't hear of him ever again after Saturday. Uh, team total under, first quarter, full game spread. We love it. This is a Michigan podcast, everybody. All right. It's V-Money Sports and the Well Capper, as always, bringing you the heat on a Thursday, breaking down college football. A lot can happen. So when we see you next week, we'll be going over that scene if we were right or we were wrong and uh, what sprinkles were correct there. But go Wolverines, and thank you, Producer Dan. Promise that, as always, Adam, you as well, uh, and all the listeners and viewers. We'll see you next time. Enjoy the weekend. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. 
Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Selling smoothies is what I do, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. He's a small business owner, too, so he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.